podcast of Odessa First Assembly. We're so glad that you're listening in today. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Let's jump into our series, Anchor. I kind of felt like we had to park and kind of do a, a part two on on hope for this Sunday, and I, I'm just I'm really I'm really excited about this. I I don't know if I can express that enough. And and kind of even before we leap into this, I just you need to know that even if you are in a difficult season, and it even feels like a prolonged difficult season, you can still have hope in the middle of that season. The enemy wants to rob your hope. He does. He wants to steal that from you because if he can get you discouraged in a place of of despair or desperation, he can kind of really guide us and, and guide. And we don't want that, right? The Bible says the sheep know the shepherd's voice. We want to be dependent on the Lord and where he is leading us. And, you know, as I was reading that scripture earlier that Jeremiah wrote and I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean, a lot of his ministry, he was locked up in a, I mean, not even a prison, but like a crate and uh, for giving these uh, prophecies from the Lord. And even in the middle of that, he was able to say that I, I dare you to have hope even in the middle of the mess you're going through. And I, I, I want to accept that challenge. But Hebrews chapter 6 I want us to read it together, Hebrews chapter 6, beginning verse 18. We read the, uh, the larger portion of this text last week. We're just going to look at these two verses just really quick. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. It says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable, for it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for a refuge. Can you say Amen fled to him for a refuge, can have great confidence as we hold the hope that lies before us, this hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. This hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain and to God's inner sanctuary. When you have this hope as an anchor, what I mean, kind of what's being said right here is that you can still experience the precious presence of God in the middle of whatever storm when you're holding on to the hope that is found in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. So grateful for your work and for your presence today. I pray that our hearts would be good soil, Lord, ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a couple of things we talked about last week. One is this. It's not just that God doesn't break his word. This is kind of summation. It's not that God just, God just doesn't break his word, but he can't break his word. He can't break his promise. So if God has made a promise, you're going to see it come to pass. Now this is, this is kind of the reality side to um, that statement. It is possible for us to misunderstand. Sometimes we're like, okay, God, I know you gave me this promise. 
and it looks like no matter how much time goes, we never really see that fulfillment, then, then we might be standing on the, the wrong promise. Does that make sense? Because when we stand on his word, it says that it doesn't return void. When we stand on his word, it says it'll accomplish what it's sent out to do. And so it's not that God doesn't break his word. He can't break his word. The second thing was this. We who have run to God with our very lives have every reason to grab on the promised hope with both hands and to never let go. We need to grab on. Is that? Oh, Brian did leave it. We kind of had this discussion. I said, I don't know if I'm going to need that or not, but I'm going to pull her out. We got, we got the hope we're holding on to right here. I got lucky last week. I didn't hurt the carpet. We're going to see if it happens again. We're holding on to that hope with both hands that can only be found in Jesus. And it's what's going to steady us and sustain us in the middle of that storm. Are you with me this morning? And the third thing was this, is that Jesus is the anchor. I said, Jesus is the anchor. It was that simple. And this morning is just going to be just as simple. You see, when we're in a place of struggle, desperation will drive us to do the unimaginable. Desperation will drive us to do things we never thought we would see ourselves do. Desperation drives ourselves to the unimaginable. It will drive us to the darkest places. It will drive us to do things that we never thought we could do or would do or had the ability to do. Desperation will drive us to the unimaginable. Desperation can either keep us on rock bottom or it can get us to the miracle. You see, we can, there, there's a choice that happens when we're at that place when we hit our rock bottom. How many has ever hit rock bottom before? I mean, I would dare say that for some of us, that rock, that, that rock bottom is what brought us to the Lord. <laughs> now, but I also know this, you don't have to find rock bottom to find the Lord. Matter of fact, it's preferable for you that you don't wait that far or that long. But when we're at that place of desperation, we find that we've we got a choice to make. Either we're going to be on rock bottom and do the unimaginable or, or, unimaginable or we can get to the miracle. But Psalm 47, 2 says this. Psalm 47, 40, 42. Psalm 42, 5. Let me get on the right scripture. Psalm 42, 5. It says, why am I so discouraged? I mean, the psalm sometimes, what you read. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you even from the distant mountain. It goes Mount Hermon, source of the Jordan, Mount Mazar. The reality is, is if you have hope or not, impacts every area of your life. Hope is an, is an engine for a heart that, that impacts our attitude, that impacts our relationships, that, that it really impacts our life completely and all those around us. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when dreams come true, it's a tree of life. 
So what that saying is this, is when you have disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, what's going to happen? It makes our heart sick. Has anybody ever had a dream that didn't come true? And you're like, Lord, I know this is for you. I know this is the direction that you want for my life. And it's like wall after wall after wall after wall after wall, and it makes our heart sick. But one little shift happens... And man, we, it breathes a little life into our spirit, doesn't it? Listen, number one is this. Hope is always worth the wait. Hope is always worth the wait. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope is always worth the wait. Sometimes life feels like an unrelenting disappointment. I think it's the Living Bible. I remember years ago reading it in this, and I think that's what it says, unrelenting disappointment. I mean, that's really what it feels like sometimes, that unrelenting disappointment. And it, but it only takes a little bit of shift to put a wind back in your cells. But the process from hope deferred, that place of Disappointment, disappointment, disappointment to hopelessness is this. So the pathway to disappointment is a series of disappointments leads to despondency. A, a series of disappointments lead to despondency. Despondency specifically, the definition of that is, is a loss of hope, a loss of courage. It's not completely, but we're starting to struggle. We're starting to struggle with it. A series of disappointments lead to despondency. And that despondency is like, it's kind of like that we feel like we're losing ground a little bit. It's like not everything's going our way. But you get enough despondency, it will lead you to a place of despair. If you face despondency enough, it will get you to a place of despair. The com- and despair, the definition is this way. Despair is a complete loss of hope. And when you have a complete loss of hope, then you get to that place of desperation or acceptance. Remember, when we have that place where we get desperate, either we're going to accept the circumstance, the place we're in, or we're going to get desperate enough to change something. And sometimes to bring change into our life, it brings a lot of discomfort, even, I would say, pain, and our tolerance to that change in our life determines sometimes what we do. Are you following me? And so I, this verse, I, I, didn't, I don't think it's on the screen, but I, it's Romans chapter, three, or chapter 5, verses 3 and 5. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. That's another one of those scriptures. Yay. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance develop endurance when you go through trials it develops an endurance in you when you that was a good place to say amen when you go through the trials of life it develops an endurance in you what's the importance of that endurance so you can keep running the race and you can run it well you can keep pressing on and for what's in front of you and keep doing it well. And so we develop this endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character that strengthens our confident hope 
of salvation. So when that endurance is developing in us, it's building a, a strength of character in us, and that strength of character is directly related to your hope. So how do you have hope when you go through the difficult times in life? You get there by those trials that you went through before. And you're like, God brought me through that. He's going to take me through this. <laughs> I, I was able to face this travesty, so I know I can deal with this one. I went through this heartbreak, and God mended my broken heart, so I know now I can go through this one. Hope does not disappoint. And when we read this verse, it's interesting because it's a different than the typical meaning that we connect with the word today. When we read this, hope of salvation, verse 5 in Romans 5 says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. And that's a pretty big statement from Scripture, that our hope will not be disappointed. But it's a different hope than what we connect with the word today but this hope specifically is saying that we are looking forward to something that might happen and it can only happen through God think about that I mean I know there's sometimes a, a chasm between the you know Greek what we see in scripture and and in the English language but when the writers were writing this in Romans I mean, when they said that hope, it was specifically saying that you have, you have something to look forward to that can only be found in God. You see, when you're in the storm, he's saying, don't look at the storm, but look at God. When you're going through that trial, don't, don't, don't just focus on the trial, but get your eyes on the Lord. I'm, I'm preaching a whole lot better than what you're helping me this morning, I think. The true biblical hope is not wishful thinking about something good that might happen in the future. It is a confidence from God concerning his promises. It is a confidence from God concerning his promises. And so, God is the object and assurance of our hope. It's just not... You know, when I was thinking about it... it it's, it's our assurance in God and our confidence in God. And so just getting through the problem is not good enough. Just getting through that season, sometimes we, we don't feel like that. We're like, if I can just get out of this. You know, if I can just, um, you know, if I can just make it through today. If I can just make it through tomorrow. If I can just make it through that meeting. See, it's, it's more than that. It's our assurance and our eyes set on the Lord. Romans 15, 13, I love this verse. Romans 15, 13. May the God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace, and believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. Hope is always worth the wait you know, it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. You know, he gets word from the Lord, this directive from God, 120 years. That's longer than our lifetime now, isn't it? Abraham was 99, and we talked about this last week. Before 
He had, I mean, 25 years after God told him he'd be the father of many nations is when, we had the, when he had Isaac. Moses tended sheep in the back 40 acres, right? For 40 years, when he left Egypt after killing the Egyptian, you know, trying to, in a, in a humanly way, to be the deliverer, which it didn't work out well, well for him, but he goes to the back 40, Jethro's pasture, for 40 years before he becomes the deliverer of the children of the Hebrews out of Egypt. Joseph spent two, almost 17 years, almost two decades. So he has a dream, right? And the, the sun, the moon, and the stars are going to bow to him. And then it upset, you know, he makes a mistake. Don't tell your brothers when, like your, real, like your brother's brothers, not your in Christ brothers. Some of you have brothers and sisters, you know what I'm talking about, right? So he has this dream, and it's he, and they're like, "What? We're gonna we're gonna bow to you?" And so what do they do? They they throw him in a pit and tend to kill him, but then sold him to slavery. He was sold into slavery again, and then pot, the whole thing with Potter's wife. Seventeen years in prison before he came the second in command of Egypt. David was anointed king, but it took 15 years from the time that Samuel anointed him king. Yeah, Saul messed up. And, and Samuel anointed David as a teenager, but it took 15 years for David to become king. Think about that. I, all the years, I used to love going to Tommy Barnett's pastor school in Phoenix at Phoenix First Assembly. And he would say this every single year, every single time that we went, is that it takes seven years for a dream to come true. It takes seven years for it. Now, there are times when God just does something and he, he shifts something and does something that's miraculous and different. But when God speaks something to you, you've got to be willing to put it in the crock pot low and slow. Lazarus was dead for four days. I mean, they thought that was like over, dead end. But he said, what? I, the Lord's going to bring glory out of this. Romans 4.18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept what? He kept hoping, believing that he had become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham hoped. If you have a different translation, some of it says it this way, that he hoped against hope. That he hoped against hope. And what that means is, is hoping when there's no reason to hope. I said, it's hoping when there's absolutely no factual reason to hope. What? You keep the hope alive. Despondency and despair, in the midst of that, Abraham still hoped. He still hoped. And he, he tried his own way. We talked about that last week, right, with... Um, Hagar, and anyway, how that ended up. But number two is this. Hope knows the impossible is possible. Hope knows that the impossible is possible. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we know this verse. Faith is the reality of what we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. It's looking in the impossible and knowing that God can do it. It's looking in the impossible and knowing that God can do it. Maybe let's rephrase it this way. It's looking at the impossible and knowing that God will do it. 
that God will do it. Because if there's two things he can't do, he can't break his word and he can't lie. So we know that God will. Everybody say will. God will do it. And so the thing is this, so many times when I see this at work in people's lives is, you know what, you, you just, you can't ignore reality. And so whenever something's going on in your life, listen, acknowledge the facts. Acknowledge what is going on. Acknowledge what is going, you acknowledging your situation does not make God's power less. Listen, I, I, wanna, I, I do want to tread careful and be very careful here. I, I, I do. But I've met people in, a, you know, this, in my lifetime that they, especially when it comes to a diagnosis, they get um, a diagnosis. And like you're not allowed to say what the diagnosis is. You're not allowed to say what that thing is. And I mean, I, there's a level I get of that, but listen to me. Everywhere I look in the Bible, people had to acknowledge their need before God did something. I mean, imagine with blind Bartimaeus. I mean, right? Here's Jesus walking along, blind Bartimaeus, and, and he hears Jesus coming because he's blind, and so he starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and the crowd, you know, the guys around, shh, shh. They're trying to get him to be quiet. And then the Bible says that he yelled all the more, Jesus, have mercy on me. And so the Lord, Jesus turns to him and says, what? I mean, Jesus knew he was blind. It was, it was obvious. But Jesus still turned to him and asked what? He said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, I need a million dollars to pay off my debt. Because I'm not blind, no matter what the doctors tell me. I'm, I'm sorry to be so facetious. I, I, I don't mean it that way. But what did he say? He said, Lord, I'm blind. I mean, and that was even his, I, I mean, Scripture gave him that identity, blind Bartimaeus. It had been really cool for Scripture to start calling him seeing Bartimaeus, I think. But that's exactly what God does when you're real with God. And you come to that place of vulnerability even though that it seems like the whole world's coming against you. It doesn't matter that the whole world's coming against you. It doesn't make God's power less. God is God. God is God. Lazarus, I mean, we talked about that was dead. The lepers had leprosy. Deaf people were deaf. But yet God still healed them. And then, right, there's that one. So what do we have to do so many times is we got to face the unbelief. You know, so I think sometimes we feel very condemned or guilty because we have a struggle in our faith when we're wanting to see God do something. Listen to me. Sometimes we feel very weighed down. We don't measure up. Guilty. I'm a weak Christian because we deal with these cycles of is God really going to do this? And yes, you remember the man that said, I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, unbelief is doubt. It's, it, it, you know, you can say, I know that God can. And when the unbelief that starts stirring, I mean, sometimes we know that God can, but we, we don't stand on the ground knowing that God will. 
And sometimes you just got to face that unbelief head on and say, you know what? I know that all the facts say different. I know that everything that I'm feeling is saying something different. I know the discouragement in the heart that I feel in a deep sense. But you have to come to the place and say, okay, God, I want to move from you're, you're doing this for everybody. And that's what it is sometimes. God, you're doing this for everybody else, but... Right? But me. But see, God's no respecter of persons, and what he's done for one, he'll do for another. And so, face the unbelief. I mean, King David doubted. Abraham doubted. We talked about that. We know that Thomas doubted. And Thomas gets a bad rap, but all the disciples doubted, didn't they? John the Baptist doubted. I mean, here's John the Baptist that baptized Jesus. And when he brought him up out of the water, what happened? The Bible says in Mark, I love how Mark describes it, but the heavens were ripped open and the spirit descended like a dove and this voice of the Lord speaks out and says, this is my son and who I'm well. John the Baptist experienced that. And then he found himself in prison. And the guys following him, he said, would y'all just go ask that guy if he's the real deal really quick? I'm, I'm about, I, I may be fixing to lose my head over this whole thing. And I just kind of need to know. That's good preaching, Pastor. I don't think it is. And so the third thing is this. So we're going to knowledge of facts. We're going to face the unbelief. And we're going to stand on the promises of God. The Bible tells us. By which he has granted us his great precious Aren't his promises precious? Aren't his promises great? By which he has granted us his precious and great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And the last thing is this, is uh, ask God for help. I think we forget that step sometimes. We ask so-and-so for help. We ask brother, brother, brother Bob for advice. Why don't we ask God for help? And whether you're a note-taker or not, I'm going to share these next few things just really quick, but it's very important. I am a firm believer in praying the Scriptures. I really do. When I, I, I believe, you know, the Bible says when, when, we're, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Lord is giving us that gift of tongues, one of the uses of that is when we don't know what to pray for, we can pray in the Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, you can also pray in English when you don't know what to pray for. And, and, and it's four scriptures, and one is Psalm 86, one. It says, bend down and hear my prayer. Answer me simply, I need your help. Listen, sometimes just when you don't know what else to ask, say, God, I need your help. It's really that simple. Psalm 119, one of those are going to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm out of place. I may have gotten myself in this place, but I need your help. Then Psalm 119, 133, guide my steps by your word, by your what? By your what? 
Listen to me. When you are in the fight of your life, you can't always depend on your heart. Do you know why? The Bible says out of a heart is the deceitfulness of men. You can't always trust your emotions. Sometimes you're going to be feeling one way, but God's going to give you an imperative another way. You don't walk by the way you feel. You walk by what he tells you. Psalm 79, 8. Do not hold us guilty for the sins of our ancestors. Let your compassion quickly meet our needs, for we are on the brink of despair. Listen, when you are in the middle of the fight and you need God's help, it's okay to say, God, this is a moment I just need to know you're there. I need to feel you. I need to encounter you. I need to see you. Psalm 16, 1, keep me safe, O God, for I've come to you for a refuge. I've come to you for a refuge. So those are four scriptures we can pray. And then this, whenever we're doing the process, and I normally don't, I normally don't talk about in this, this, this kind of scenario, but listen to me. In between it all, when you're acknowledging the facts, when you're facing your unbelief and you're asking God for help, worship in between. Don't ever stop the worship. Don't ever stop the worship. Because when we feel the screws tighten in our life, sometimes what we do is we shut down and we binge watch Netflix. Or since we're in recovery month, we run to some other style of self-medication. But if you'll worship in between and you magnify God, you make your circumstance smaller. You make your spirit. The Bible says this, Psalm 77, 11. I love this passage. But then I recall all that you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long age. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Now listen to me. When you're in the fire, do you think more about the way we're wired as humans is so many times we think about the circumstance far more than we think about God. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations by your strong army, redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The third thing is this, and we're going to wind up here pretty quick, is hope, it transforms us. Hope transforms us. How does hope transform us? Hope transforms us. Hope transforms us because hope changes your focus. Hope changes your focus. What you're focused in on, what you're dialed into. What we focus on will determine if we have unrelenting disappointment or a life of hope. I mean, sometimes, um, well, many times, I, you know, we've talked about this before. I've shown the clip before, but, you know, Angela grew up watching this movie, Pollyanna. Have you ever seen Pollyanna? Ever watched Pollyanna? You know, the, the thing about Pollyanna was they always played the glad game. And I mean, so I, I, any one day I can come home and have a perspective of something, and I'm like, you know, the world's going to end, type of, type of attitude. And Angela's like, but this, you know, like, would you quit that? I'm trying to be discouraged, you know. 
But it really, it's, it's what you're focused on. I was thinking about, uh, well, hope changes our company. Listen, I, I know I've shared this with you before, but there's a convent of monks. I read about this. There's a convent of monks, and this is their day. This is their day. They, um, no one talks. They get up. They, they only eat, like this is their meal three times a day, is vegetables, sour milk, and bread. Nobody talks. They get up, breakfast, vegetables, sour milk, bread, lunch, vegetables, sour milk, bread. If you're lactose intolerant, I don't know what they do, but vegetables, sour milk, bread. And then one time every day, they go over to a grave they've dug for the next one that dies. And so they eat their vegetables, their sour milk, and their bread. They go over to a grave that's been dug, and they circle this grave, and they stand there, and they look at this empty grave, knowing it's for the next one that dies. And they turn around, and they go eat their vegetables, sour milk. Listen to me. If you're around company like that, you need to change your company. If you're around company like that, you need to change your company. If you think back to when... Mary received word and the promise that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. And the Lord spoke to her this promise and lined it out for her. And um, so she tells Joseph, right? And what is Joseph? I mean, his reaction is what? Well, let's, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't get married. Yeah, I know we're betrothed and all that, but you're pregnant. We haven't done anything. But the scripture also talks about something she did. Do you know what she did? She went and found someone by the name of Elizabeth. Do you remember who Elizabeth is? Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. And you see, for her to become pregnant with John the Baptist, it wasn't an immaculate conception, but a miracle did happen because she couldn't have kids. And so she went to the person that God was doing that same, listen to me, she went to the person that God was doing the same work in. Are you following me? Listen. The Bible says that bad character corrupts good morals. You may be around people that you don't realize are impacting the way that you're seeing things and seeing life. You may have a friend group on your Facebook. You may, you may just have a friend group. And you don't realize they're keeping you defeated and offended and beat down because they want you where they are. But you need to change the company you're around. You need to find somebody that plays the Pollyanna game. You need to find somebody that's going to speak life into you, not get on the pity pot with you and sell that boat with you. But you need somebody that's going to speak life and speak truth. Because it's truth that sets you free. And it's a life spoken inside of you that's going to bring the cells of life back to life in you to pursue your dream again. Come on, somebody. And so the third thing, the last thing of that is this. Guard your heart. 
Matter of fact, the proverb says this, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. Protect what God does in you. I said protect what you, there is some, listen, we need to be expressive about, we need to flow out of our streams of living water out of us like Jeff, John 7, 37 and 38. We need all of that at work and play. But I'm going to tell you there are some times you need to host and guard what God does on the inside of you. Do not let the enemy rob it from you. Do not let the trial rob it from you. Do not let the naysayer rob it from you. But guard that word that God has put in your heart. Guard that promise that God has put in your heart. Guard it with all diligence. Because if you really want to know what life is, what God has planted in there, you've got to let come to fruition. And sometimes you got to go through the storm. Sometimes, sometimes you go through that tilling of the ground, the planning process, the storms. Listen, if you want God to bring about the harvest that he's planted inside of you, sometimes you need rain. And sometimes with that rain comes the lightning that brings down trees or the wind that blows over telephone poles. But we're too focused on what scares us instead of sometimes just stepping back and say, God, send the rain for that heart. I know you've got a harvest brewing on the inside. This is a word for somebody. You've got, he's trying to bring the rain, but you're so focused on the lightning and the thunder and the waves and the storm. You're forgetting the purpose of it all. He's trying to bring a harvest out in you. Would you stand with me this morning? joining us for our podcast. Again, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I hope that you are encouraged through today's message and that you'll join us again.